I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Greetings, music nerds, and welcome to Season 7 of the Music Makers and Soul Shakers podcast. I'm your host, Steve Dawson, coming to you from the Hen House Studio here in East Nashville, Tennessee. I'm so glad you've chosen to join me once again as we take some deep dives with a cast of wonderful musicians, producers, and engineers that I've managed to track down and speak to about making music, records, and just doing what they do in their lives and music. Don't forget there's a link to a playlist on Spotify and Apple Music with links to many of the songs we discuss on today's episode. You'll find links to those playlists in the show notes below or at our website. Meanwhile, the show continues to be largely listener-supported. Your help in keeping the show going is always appreciated, and you can do it with a one-time donation or a Patreon subscription, which is a monthly payment of your choice. And when you sign up for Patreon, you get an ad-free version of the show to listen to, as well as getting entered to win a cunning prize pack from our sponsors at the end of the season. Or if you're tight for dough and you still want to help out, you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or just by spreading the word, sharing the show, following us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, and telling all your pals about it. You can get links to all this stuff at makersandshakerspodcast.com. Meanwhile, a huge thanks to the sponsors this season. Please check them out and let them know I sent you. They are Union Tube and Transistor, Spectra 1964, The Deering Banjo Company, Mule Resophonic Guitars, and The Henhouse Hang. All right, thanks so much to you for tuning in, and let's get down to it. Howdy, music nerds. Welcome to the show. This is episode number 150. That's crazy. 150 cool. My guest today is a great guitar player. He's a singer and a songwriter, Mr. Dwayne Betts. Thanks for tuning in. I sure appreciate everyone listening and coming back to hang. And uh, yeah, it's a really hot, it's like the last hot day here in Nashville, apparently. It's like, uh, well, for you Canadians out there, it's 30 degrees in October. That's pretty hot. And for you Americans, I have no idea. I can't, I can never do the whole thing about the Fahrenheit thing. I, I'm too Canadian, I guess. So it's 30 Celsius here in October, and and then tomorrow it's going to chill out. So there you go. And uh, we just wrapped up the Hen House Hang here for 2023 this week, and it was so fun and really rewarding experience. We had a group of folks in the studio here for three days. I brought in a, a band of killer players and an amazing artist named Maya DeVitri, who I'm sure some of you out there know. She was in a band called The Stray Birds, and she now records under her own name. And we worked on her songs in front of people and explained the process as it unfolded, and it was really cool and fun. And we got into the mixing process as well and basically took it from where everyone heard the songs for the first time to an almost finished track. Anyway, thanks so much to everyone that attended. It was really cool to have uh, a room full of people here. And um, I know some of those folks are listeners of the show and probably heard about it here. And if you're interested in such things, we'll be doing it again in September of 2024. 
The dates aren't quite firm yet, but stay tuned for that in the next week or so. You can find info over at stevedawson.ca. Also, just a reminder that we'll be giving away a bunch of cool prizes from our sponsors at the end of the season, including some killer union tube and transistor pedals. You just have to be a Patreon subscriber to be entered, and the winner will be picked from there. Just uh, head over to the Makers and Shakers podcast page, and you can sign up. Hit the donate button, and you can sign up either for Patreon or a one-time donation. But any and all Patreon subscribers will be automatically entered into the contest for some swag, including wicked guitar pedals. So you can get on that if you want to. And just a shout-out to a new Patreon member this week who was generous enough to help support the show. So thank you to Edward Gagnon. Okay, so on the show today is Dwayne Betts. Dwayne, of course, is the son of the innovative guitarist and songwriter and singer from the Allman Brothers band, Dickie Betts. And he sure does look like his old man, too. Dwayne has his own thing going on, though, and he's finally just released his debut solo album called Wild and Precious Life. It's a really cool record, and I wanted to talk to him about that process. It's sort of a modern take on Southern rock, sort of, but it's unique and definitely has some of the Betts family sound to it, but it's also a great display of a killer band in fine form. Before Dwayne was writing and singing his own songs, he was a guitar slinger for hire and spent some time in the band Dawes, who I'm sure lots of people know. He played with Phil Lesh and Friends, and he's had other bands like Backbone 69 and a band with some of the other Allman Brothers band offspring, including Barry Oakley Jr. and Devin Allman, called the Allman Betts Band. And those were cool projects too. But I can imagine, you know, the weight of that situation would be pretty heavy when you're trying to do your own thing and your dad's in a really famous band uh, so I, I get why that would probably be uh, a bit much sometimes and, um, you know, wanting to strike out on your own and forge your own path. And that's what Dwayne has done this year. So we get into the new record quite a bit, Wild and Precious Life, and talk about the process. He recorded it over at Derek Trucks and Susan Tedeschi's studio uh, just last year, I guess. And there's a lot to talk about with that whole process. I've only seen Dwayne live just one time really recently at the Grand Ole Opry, and he and his band did a great little mini set there. But they are going to be out playing all over the country and probably all over the world in the coming months promoting this new record so make sure you go out and see them live and pick up the new album it's awesome and you can get info on all the dates over at duanebetts.com and with that please enjoy my conversation with Dwayne Betts well uh thanks for doing this I really appreciate it I saw you at the uh at the Opry I don't know two months ago or whatever that must have been yeah that must have been pretty exciting yeah that was really that was really great yeah really really fun and such an honor to to be a part of it and play play my songs you know on that stage and stand up there and yeah you know i mean it was definitely a little throw and go you know you just kind of show up and you, yeah. you play the song once at rehearsal and it's just that's what it is and then you go up there and do it but that's kind of um i'm kind of accustomed to that so yeah. i just you just roll with it i'm always curious about that process like do they do they try and encourage you to use the house band or do you like, do you have to put your foot down and say, no, I'm using my guys? Or are they just like, yeah, whatever you no, want? No, I didn't. I didn't have to put my foot down. I um, I think they're there. If 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 you need them, they're there. And they want to make it really clear that they're there to help. And they probably would like to incorporate some of their band. But I can't speak for them. But um, no, it wasn't. There was no pushback at all. I, it, you know, I used a, a combination of my band and their band. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it worked out well. 
uh, maybe we can dive into this. Uh, you know, this podcast is it's sort of focused on making records, but uh, among other things as well. And um, that's something that you've done a lot of over the last 20 years. But just recently, you've you've completed and released your really what's uh, I guess officially your first solo record. Yeah, it would be my first my first you know full length. Yeah. You know? um, so so wild and yeah. precious life, and I, I'm wondering if we could. Talk a bit about that. I, I guess before we talk about the specifics, because I'd like to hear. I know you made it at Dwayne, or at, sorry, at uh, Derek Trucks's place, but um, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'd love to talk about the specifics of the session. But also, um, I guess before we do that, the one thing that really jumps out to me, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but like the whole, I don't know if there's a better term for it, but like the the family sound that you have with with you know what you've picked up from from Dickie and the way that you've incorporated it in, into your own music without seeming like a imitation it's sort of like doing your own thing but it's clearly like you're wearing that influence on your sleeve as well and I'm just wondering how you kind of reconcile that in your own playing and you know finding a way to do that but also to uh to have your own voice and your own artistry in a project like this yeah that's a really good question um you know, I listen to a lot of music. I listen to music that doesn't sound like what I play. I listen to, like, you know, like I listen to, like, there's a girl, Kate LeBon, who I've been listening to, who it's like kind of 80s Bowie, like art gallery, like New York. Like, it's it's very, like, avant-garde, you know? And, and so I like a lot of stuff that isn't, you know, Roots, southern soul you know like allman brothers sounding stuff but um the way i play is kind of the who i am i mean i i just i don't hide from it um i mean i definitely like a lot of music from my generation that my dad doesn't like but when it comes to when it comes to the way i play i mean i just play the way i play and if i'm playing the way i play it probably sounds a lot like the way my dad plays, you know, Um, because that's kind of a natural, that's kind of a part of that's genetic and kind of an intangible, intangible quality that, you know, your musical instincts and kind of the way you hit the string and the way you phrase and that stuff, that's not stuff that you learn from records because then other people would sound like that and a lot of people try to sound like that and it's just there's just kind of a way that that um he plays that i i'm not saying i play like him or i'm on that level i'm not saying anybody is um but but definitely i don't i don't try to not sound like yeah you know on on something like on the new record waiting on a song for instance that's probably the thing that sounds most like my dad and and Right. And um, that could be straight off like Great Southern or Brothers and Sisters yeah, or that, something, you know, that like, could be off of, you know, that kind of has a, a little bit of a highway call thing. Totally. Little, yeah. Know, sounds a little bit like a random man type of thing. And um, <clears throat> we just wanted to do some cool kind of classic kind of put some pedal steel on it and get it down home and sounding yeah. kind of like a. You know, I mean, we kind of used Highway Call as a model, like a long time gone type of thing. So, um, so yeah, that's probably the thing that sounds most like my dad. But yeah, I mean, I just don't, I just don't really worry about it. Um, 
about sounding too much like like my dad or yeah you know i mean my influences are my influences but yeah but when it comes to songwriting and stuff i mean there's probably a lot of songs that i have that that i'm gonna play i mean there's definitely room to bring in some different influences you know and i think on the next record i mean i don't i'm not looking too far ahead but when i start writing for the next one i kind of have an idea of maybe how to follow it up and do something that keeps the the that kind of family sound as you're talking about intact more kind of modern you know um kind of modern classic and that's what that's what i try to do you know is do stuff do stuff that's um classic sounding that's retro root sounding <clears throat> but that there's something in it that can that it sounds fresh you know yeah that's what i get from that for sure yeah. Um, we will get to that session, but like along the way, you're not a, a kid anymore. Like you've been around for quite a while playing guitar for different bands and backing people mm -hmm. up and, um, both, you know, some with your dad and then with like Dawes and, and the other bands that you've had and, and Allman Family Revival and all that stuff. I'm just wondering how, like, how that transition has been to, I get like, a, I don't know if you've all that time, if you've had your own project going under your own name, but if not, how have you found the transition into being like a band leader, say from being a sideman for some, for a band like Dawes? Yeah. So I never made, like I never sang, you know, I was always a guitar player. So I, I, I sang just enough to kind of, when I'd write a song and I was relaying it to whoever was going to sing the song, I, I, I could kind of, sing it, fake sing it to them to where they would sing it. But <laughs> I didn't start singing until I was, you know, well into my thirties, probably my late thirties. No kidding. Was, that That's why, that's why I, I mean, I never made records of my songs of me singing my songs because I never was a singer. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty simple explanation for that. But, yep. but playing with, um, playing, um, you know, and, and playing with other other bands and like working with Dawes, um, that, you know, that was obviously really an amazing experience for me. And I learned a lot and, um, you know, got to meet a lot of artists that I really respect, you know, that's one thing about playing with them is they play with a lot of like-minded artists and uh, they're all really gifted, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. Um, playing with my dad, same thing, a different approach. I mean, my dad kind of looks for things out of his band that maybe other people don't look for. Maybe things that are important to my dad um, and things that aren't as important to him. Maybe those other things that aren't important are really important. If you're doing another gig, you better have that down. And, you know, whereas he is more interested in the improvisation and just the vibe of it. Um, I mean, obviously you have to learn the songs and play the songs too, but, <laughs> but, um, but so, so then forming, you know, then of course we did the Almond Betts band, we did two records. And so that was kind of my first, other than being a kid, the bands I was in when I was like in my early twenties, those bands were just, I mean, we were kids then. So it was just, yeah. we were partying and it was, it was a democracy and we weren't, no one was working for anybody. I mean, we didn't have any money. We just yeah. were kind of living, living the, living the dream, as living they the say. Dream, you know, when yeah. I was when I was in Southern California and I was 21 years old, I wasn't thinking about any of that. I mean, you know, but I certainly wasn't working for anybody either. <laughs> yeah. Um, so fast forwarding to the Almond Betts band, um, that was probably you know the, the, we you know 
Devin and I put that together and, and we were more or less the band leaders, you know? Did you grow up around Devin? Like, were you guys pals when you were like little kids or was it not? No, no, I didn't meet Devin until uh, he didn't meet his father until he was, um, in his teens. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he, and that, I mean, he, I mean, every, that's like common knowledge, but, um, so I'm not like divulging anything that, (laughs) you know, he wouldn't want me to divulge, but, but, um, he and I met on the 1989 reunion tour, the Allman Brothers Band, uh, 20th anniversary tour, the Dreams, Dreams tour. They put, they had put out a box set. I saw that tour. Many of those older bands were putting out box sets and doing 20th anniversary yeah. tours. Now that's like over 30 years ago. Yeah, now you need a 30th anniversary tour of that. But um, yeah, that's where I met him and that's where I met Barry Oakley, you know, Barry Dwayne Oakley. And um, and so we know we never lived in the same town. We'd see each other in passing, you know, over the years. Um, and then then we formed the Almond Bets Band. We did two records. We're you know, we're proud of those records and toured around the world. And, and so that was kind of my first, my first experience being in the driver's seat of like yep. a band that was actually like working and actually supporting itself. Was there any trepidation on your part, like to do a band like that, that there's no way around the the specter of the Allman Brothers band when you have a band called what that band was called and containing those people. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it seemed like a natural step. I mean, it felt, yeah. it felt right. And I mean, I always have a little trepidation about all of that stuff, but like you say, you can't really get around. Um, I mean, the nostalgia kind of when you get me and Barry and Dwayne, I mean, and, and Devin together, I mean, those, those older people, I mean, and rightfully so I'm not, I'm not discrediting it, but the nostalgia kind of comes up for them and they see us all on stage and it, you know, so I don't, not that that's a bad thing. Um, but there's something about doing my band that I, it like that kind of is tamed down a little bit, which I kind of like to get away from that a little bit. Yeah. I would imagine that's a big relief in a way, but everybody, you know, I mean, people are gonna, they have their stories and they have their, their memories of, you know, when there's, when there's some older people that have been to, you know, they want to tell you and they will, they'll tell you their story and they all, they pretty much all do. And I joke about it and I'll, I joke about it from stage. Like, you know, when yeah. I'm in a good mood, I'll say something. Now, if I come out to the merch booth, you know, I know y'all are going to tell me your stories. <laughs> it's kind of borderline, like making them feel like bad about it before they get to do it but it's like probably, it's it probably saves of, yourself like two hours of time at the merch well suit. sometimes it's fun to walk the line and kind of put like put things in perspective for them too and so you kind of can meet halfway and be reasonable about it yeah right no but i mean everybody's um generally you know that that 99 percent of the time i mean that's totally respectful you know it's just yeah. what, every now and then it can get you know where people want to tell you about your family like let me tell you yeah let me tell you about about you and your family and that's like okay how about i was on the road a bit with amy helm and man as you can imagine just like night after night she she was very gracious about it but like being told about her dad for 
Yeah, like a, if it went unchecked, it would have gone on for like three hours every single night. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm I'm joking around, but I'm so appreciative to yeah those those folks have like supported our family's music and support my music, support you know all of all of our music. So yeah. they're music lovers and they love great music. And without talking infinity about it, I mean, you said something. I mean, the Allman Brothers band. It, you know, that music is just great music and it's, you can't really get around it. I mean, it's just this big yeah. thing, you know, that's like, it's not, um, it's something to be, to be proud of, you know, rather than be like, Oh man, you know, my dad was in this big band and like, For sure. I have to like worry about what I do compared like, you know, you can't do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about recording this record. How did it come about in the first place? And like, tell me about your band. So is Barry, Barry Dwayne Oakley, right? That's his. Yeah. Is he currently in your band and did he play on the record? Uh, Barry is on the record and he's not currently playing with me, um, okay. but he uh, was a huge part of the record yeah. and did a fantastic job. Um, uh, Johnny Statula is 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 who's my guitar partner he um he was a huge part of it i mean i can just go through and list everybody john ginty johnny statula john ginty on keys johnny statula johnny um, is the one that i saw playing slide with you at the opry right yes 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 um and barry were all with me in the almond bets band so um and then i recruited i asked tyler greenwell um from Tedeschi Trucks Band if he would be interested in playing drums on it and he was very interested and and he's one of my favorite drummers and he he's, yeah, he's just so awesome. Good. Yeah. So you know, I I wanted to put a band together with people I was comfortable with um mm-hmm. that kind of knew where I was coming from already that we could work efficiently and that most importantly would sound great together and I knew that uh I knew how Ginty played. I knew how Statula played. I knew how Barry played. And I knew that Barry and Falcon, Tyler Greenwell, as we call him Falcon, um, would sound, I thought they would sound great together. And Had they played together before? No, no. That was the first time they played together in the studio. And the session came about, I was at a, a friend's birthday party down in the Keys and Derek and Susan were there. We have a, a mutual friend. And we were just having small talk and they were asking what I was up to, what my plans were. And I told them that I I really wanted to record a record. I had songs I'd been writing during the pandemic and I was pretty, pretty close to being ready to go. And um, Susan immediately told me that I should record the record at their studio. So that's how it came about. It kind of all fell into place, you know. So um, is that studio somewhere that you'd been or worked before or? No, I'd never been to their house. It's in their, it's on their property at their house. So it's a separate structure. They're like outside and, of Atlanta somewhere? Uh, Jacksonville. Oh, they're in outside Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So no, I'd never been there. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was everything that I thought it would be and more. Yeah, it was really relaxed, a really relaxed environment, plenty of space, you know. At this point in the show, I'd like to thank our amazing sponsors for the season. We couldn't do it without their support, and this year they are Mule Resophonics. 
swing wider for inspiration with Mule Resophonic guitars. These are Resophonic guitars built for acoustic guitar players. Not just blues guitars, not just slide guitars. You don't need to play them in open tunings. They're set up with normal acoustic guitar action, and they have some of the best feeling necks in the game. Trust me, they're wicked. These musical tools wake up your ear and influence your playing towards uncharted musical realms. Check out the current lineup of guitars at the Mule Store at muleresophonic.com. Thanks to Spectra 1964. For over 50 years, Spectra 1964 has established a reputation of creating some of the most innovative recording equipment on the market today. Their consoles and preamps were behind the sound of so many great American studios of the 1960s through to today. Spectre 1964 continues the legacy of providing incredible recording products for the home or professional studio. Check them out at spectra1964.com. Union Tube and Transistor. Union is known for guitar effects pedals with a focus on quality and simplicity. They build durable, repairable products that sound amazing both on stage and in the studio. Their fuzz effects and compression pedals are insanely cool. I use the Sonebender Fuzz, the More Pedal, the Lab, and the Swindle Overdrive all the time in sessions and live on stage. You can find out more about them at uniontone.com. And finally, the Henhouse Hang is a three-day immersive recording experience at the Henhouse Studio in East Nashville with me, Steve Dawson. It'll be in September 2023 and then upcoming again in September of 2024. Join us for a musical learning experience like no other. We'll show you the ropes of recording roots in Americana music by bringing you in on a real session with real musicians working on real songs from the ground up. You can get all the info at stevedawson.ca. Just follow the links on the front page to the Hen House Hang. All right, then. Let's get back to the show. What's the studio actually like? Is it just sort of like one big room with a control room or is it sectioned off or what's the vibe in there? Um, there's a big, there's a, there's a, a, a main room and then there's a, you know, there's a vocal booth and a couple, I think there's a couple little booths, but, uh, and then a little control room, but I think they're actually redoing it. I think they're probably yeah. in the process right now of, of, of expanding it to make oh, it, wow. okay. to make the, the control room a little bigger because the control room was a little small, but it's just really, really a beautiful piece of property. So you can walk out and walk out in nature on this long dock that kind of goes through a swamp out to a river. Oh, and wow. That part of it's really nice when you're recording to just go out. Totally. And, and, uh, you know, even if you're not, even if you're still working on a song, you know, and you're, you're almost done with a song and you need to finish it up, you know, just getting out of the studio. Clear your head a little a, bit. Yeah. Going and taking a walk, but yeah, I know what that's like, but yeah, it was, it was, um, really a great place. Um, and they were kind of like in the wings, you know, they'd come in, pop, pop in every now and then just to check on it, but they weren't like, Hover. you know, they weren't grading us or anything. You know, it wasn't, there was no pressure. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was nice. Do they, they don't open that place up to people that much. Do they like, has no, there been a- they, it's, um, there's a couple of people that have, they, they don't do, they don't, it's not like open to the public or anything. Yeah. They do all their records there and they do, uh, I think they've done a few other things, but, I mean, it's basically like they ask you to do it. Yeah, yeah. And do so, they? Is there an engineer there that works there full time that you used, or did you bring a guy in, or how did that work? Uh, Bobby, Bobby Tees uh, lives down the street, and that's okay. that's their that's their guy. I mean, Bobby's amazing. Yeah. Um, Jim Scott mixed it out in California. Jim oh, cool. Scott's obviously Grammy Award winning. He's yeah. phenomenal. 
So the record has, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic sounding record and it is, I'm really pleased with the way it turned out, um, on pretty much all levels, you know, I mean, the, the artwork came, came together very organically and naturally. Um, you know, we've, my wife was looking for it's like putting together an inspiration board for new merch and kind of going off of the, off of the, the vibe of the music. And, you know, we'd been writing a lot down at my dad's house in Florida and then we were recording in Florida and the songs kind of had this, you know, my family, I grew up there. My dad grew up there. My grandfather grew up there. You know, so we're kind of a line of Floridian Floridians, but um, she came across this painting and the artist was uh, Pierre Richard, um, his French French gentleman who moved over to Florida from uh, around 1930 and started painting Florida landscapes. Um, and um, we kind of we kind of were drawn to it and then we did some re- research and a friend of mine, um, who loved it as well when we showed him, tracked it down and found, uh-huh. did the research, found who owned it now. And then that person lived, um, lived like 15 minutes from my dad's house. Oh, really? Ironic. Weird. Yeah. So we, so we just got in touch with him and asked and told him what we were up to and it's not copyrighted. So, I mean, we just needed his permission and he, yeah. If you look in the record, there's a thank you note, and it lists his website for okay. his other books. And so that's all. That's that was, that was how that all came about. But it was it's kind of an interesting story. Yeah, that's nice. So did you guys all set up? Like it sounds like it's a done pretty live, and and you know there's a lot of interplay and all that stuff. Were you guys pretty much set up as a band, and did did you perform that way? Yeah, um, we we played live. Uh, and added stuff that needed, you know, some of the stuff I would record in electric live yeah, and get, get solo live with the band when I felt like it needed to be live. And then there was other stuff that was more based around the acoustic yeah. that I cut the acoustic live with the band yeah, and then went back electric afterwards. Some of those songs like, um, Circles in the Stars. Yep. Um, songs where the electrics don't come in until after the song started. Right. Kind of made more sense to overdub the the um, the electrics. But um, but yeah, like waiting on a song that 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 jam and that that's that's cut live. Um, Wicked. I spent time on these solo. Like I wanted, if I felt like I could beat a live solo, I did. I would go in. I would go back in. Yeah. Um, but when they're long, um, I like to try to get a live take, you know? Yeah. yeah. Give it some, give it a bit of life with the band and have them react. To yeah. You yeah. So the band's moving, the band's moving together. And I mean, you know, I mean, you can get a great version, What you know, you might get part of it live and then go back in and, and have to redo part of it. But you know, there's no, there's no rules, but, but yeah, the, the general idea was to go in and cut it live. And we, we cut the tape to two inch. Um, and then um, just get it, get it right there's an interesting thing that you do in your melodic sort of lead playing that kind of reminds me of your dad in a way that the solos a lot of the time to me sound almost composed but maybe not completely do you spend time like kind of working some of that stuff out or do you wing it or what's your 
like, like I'm really curious about because they sound very melodic and like almost like a composed thing. I pretty much wing it. I mean, okay. the idea is to write the melodies on the spot. Okay. That's what, what I'm really like when I'm really in a zone or I, I feel like I'm in a zone, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, I feel like I'm playing melody and not playing just like stuff Notes. that's in a, uh, yeah, that's like in a book that uh, I have in my head that I played. Yeah. Uh, I play. I mean, I play a lot of licks too. I mean, I go, but a lot of time, <laughs> a lot of time when I'm kind of trying to get my foundation sturdy, like in a live show, yep. when I'm trying to feel out the stage for how it sounds and I'm trying to get comfortable on stage, if I'm not comfortable already, I'll kind of set, set it by playing stuff I'm comfortable with. And then as I get more comfortable, the idea is to kind of get away from thinking about what you've played before and just kind of play melody. But to answer your question directly, um, you know, there's, there's stuff that I'll give it a try. Like saints to sinners. I went back in and recut that solo and I finally got it. I got like, I did like two takes and I was like, I'd listen back and like, no, that's not it. I need to do something more fiery. I need to keep that going. So in that sense, it's kind of composed because you're t listening to what you just did. That was on right. the spot. Yeah. And maybe, then you think it relative to that and you might play something that was in that again. So yeah, it's, you know, it can be a little composed, but, but no, it's pretty much off the top of the head. A lot of that stuff. That's cool. Um, the line, uh, the line in circles and the stars that I played at the end, that's, that's definitely composed. Yeah. But I composed it. Like I played it on the demo. I played it without composing it, you know? Yeah. And so then I was like, I wrote that melody is beautiful. I want to play it. That's what it needs to do. Like right. when I go and record it, you know, I need to play that again. So, but that's more or less that, that sounds like a little, really simple, like a lullaby melody that, um, you know, and yeah. that some, sometimes that's the stuff I'm, I'm most proud of is the totally. stuff that's like just, just a really simple melody. So you mentioned that song Saints to Sinners. So when you approach like that's that's got a lot of guitar harmony stuff on it. Um, when you approach that stuff, what's your process? So that's you. And like you work that out with like, do you do you write both parts or do you bring it in and just start messing around until you have a a harmony going with whoever else is playing the other part or like how, yeah. how do you approach that stuff? Yeah. Uh, so great. Yeah. These are great questions. Like I, I'm like, really, I like answering these. These are, these are cool. Oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Cause it makes me think and it's. Um... One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So my songwriting partner, Stahl Vaughn, I co-wrote a lot of these songs with him. Okay. Um, and some of the tunes, like, Sometimes I'll have an idea and I can't really get it going past a certain extent. I'll give it to him and he'll get it going. Other times I'll have a finished song, but I know it's not right. I know it needs editing. He'll mm -hmm. edit it. And other times we'll just start from scratch together. Yeah. Um, Is he somebody that lives close by that you're physically around? He, or He's somebody. So I met Stahl um, and I've written for him with him for about, for over 10 years now. We met okay. in, around 2012 in Los Angeles. And he's um, he's from Kentucky and he lives back in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Yep. So he, he's a, a Kentuckian. But um, he and I write really well together and he was pushing for for the guitar harmonies in yep. And it became a theme where it was like, man, that needs, it needs a hook. It needs, put a cool guitar heart, you know, <laughs> and he'd get me to come up with one. And then it just became a theme to where, okay, well, we're going, let's just go all the way. Let's, you know, we, I mean, there's guitar harmonies on Quite more than half of the, more than half of the songs. Yeah. I reckon. So, 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 so walk me through what you actually do. So do you sit there with an iPhone and you write like a, a part quickly and then just come up with another part or like, where does the, wh what's the first stage when he says, Hey, this needs a thing. You come up with this thing. It sounds great. What, how did you get from A to B? You know, like in Saints to Sinners, you brought up the middle part. I had it going from, you know, I had a section written and I didn't have a, um, a harmony there um and he said let's put a harmony let's put a melody there and then i i don't know where i came up if i came up with it right there or if it was later that night while i was playing acoustic guitar in my bedroom or but i came up with the melody and then when it came to do the harmony then you have choices you can do thirds you can do fifths so then that's when you need that's when i need johnny to and i say you know and we'll, we'll work on it together and I'll have him play the different choices and I'll hear, you know, I'll hear the different melodies and I'll yeah. say, no, no, play that, play that. I mean, that's one of one thing I am good at is I have a pretty good ear and I can hear notes. I hear harmony really well. I can tell what's going to sound good without hearing it with what I'm playing. Yeah. Um, so I'll kind of give him direction and then he might throw in something, but, I pretty much direct it, okay. get him to play the choices, and then we decide together what we like better, and we always agree. Okay, we we always agree. So on Saints to Sinners, we had a couple options, and we both agreed on what it became. Now on the on the other thing, Colors Fade, that's his melody. Okay. So, yeah. So, you know the the obvious harmony that sounds good is is thirds i guess whatever we play together is probably is the one that sounds better so you just play yeah. what sounds better sometimes it can be difficult to um to pick and 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 frankly other times you don't have to play succinct like harmony you can like one thing that's interesting about Dwayne Allman's parts is when he would come up when he was in the Allman brothers band some of his harmonies like on dreams mm -hmm. 
didn't follow in a direct line with the melody. Right. So those parts kind of crisscross and they're not properly direct harmonic, like in the same path, you know? Yeah. So, which is really cool. So you don't want to get too, too proper about it, but, um, but yeah, the, the, the melody on colors fade Johnny had and, and, you know, I mean, some of the other stuff, like in Waiting on a Song, we worked some of that stuff out together, like in the middle section where it modulates up to D. I don't know. I don't want to get too into musical terms, but... It's all right. We're all nerdy here. Yeah, but I mean, all that stuff is really fun because yeah. by that point, you have the song. The hard part is done. Right, you know? right. So this are, is like the this is the icing on the cake part. Exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. that's just the fun. That's the, that's the fun stuff. So you, you never know? come at it with like I got this wicked guitar harmony thing. Let's write a song about it. It's never. It's it's always the other way around for you. Um, on this, to to my knowledge, on this record, yeah, none of the only stuff that I have that the harmony, well, the instrumental under the Bali Moon. under the Bali Moon is an instrumental. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that stuff I wrote, and that's one of my favorite tracks on the record and that stuff is more i had a lot of parts that were um that were um for that song that weren't used and falcon really he went through everything and edited what i had like different sections to the to the piece well yeah he he there was a part the main theme in that song i only had at the as the intro and it wasn't in time yet it was like a okay pre pre where the song where the time actually starts but i had the melody i had the chords and he was like that's your part like you need to have that <laughs> recur yeah. you know and then he got rid of and i was so thankful and i was so happy because it turned out so much better than what i had <laughs> what i had was was like a mere you know was was a shadow of of what it became so well that's that's a good way to to flesh stuff out with like a full band sitting there and you've got and you're doing yeah. kind of in well, it took all day we were in the studio it was in the middle of the session and we were like okay <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen with this one but let's work on it and it took all day and did you always intend for that to be an instrumental or were you like toying yeah. with that being okay okay yeah that was an instrumental and i had I had it going a few other places and it, it 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 was just it was a little much and it was a little <laughs> it was a little like pseudo Latin, um okay. the way it originally was and the and the he really he added a really hip drum beat and kind of got it away from that and Yeah, it's a great groove. You know. Yeah. And and it, 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 the title fit, you know, I was like, Well, we can't call it that because it kinda sounds Latin. That's like and then the way it turned out, it doesn't sound Latin. So yeah. it, the title fits much better now. Yeah. So on a tune like Cold Dark World, that's the one that Marcus King's on. There's yeah. a, that, I, who's playing the guitar in the intro? Is that you or Marcus? Do you, do that's you remember? That's me. That's you. Is that, is that guitar plugged straight into the console? No, that's, you know, it's, that's, that's, uh, that's a different sound though. No, I have, um, that's a I'm wicked a, uh, guitar sound, but it it sounded to me super direct. But I guess I'm wrong. It's a fuzz pedal turned turned low. Oh, with okay. The gain, with the gain turned low, and I was kind of going for like a funkadelic kind of nice. Like I don't know some of the stuff that JD Simo does. I was kind of oh, yeah. Um, 
but uh yeah i I just wanted to get a little bit different sound on that i mean i really i hardly use any effects i mean i that that's pretty much it so 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 let's talk a little bit about your guitar sound like a little bit about how it's evolved through your career but anytime i've seen you you're pretty much playing a gold top is that like that's got to be your main axe right um yeah i i mean i really love playing the 335 there was a 335 i was playing for a while but it's so valuable that unless <laughs> you know i really don't like to bring those out unless you have like a full guitar yeah. tech with a protective you know i don't like to just have those guitars loose um, is, is that one of your dad's guitars or yeah, that's a 1961 335, and oh, yeah. it's the one that he played. And and but that guitar, I mean, it's hard to find a better sounding guitar. I play I played that one as my main one, uh, as my main my main axe, if you will. For I will for a few, you know. I mean, I don't know how long that I played it, but there's a good there's a good um, run there with it where it was my main guitar. Mm-hmm. But um, the gold top sounds really really great too and i just feel more comfortable traveling around with it doing one-offs and okay so that's kind of my main that's my main one is it a is it sort of an off-the-shelf les paul or like where does that one come from that one is the prototype of my dad my dad's signature model that they did and oh, okay um they did a run of those like in the early 2000s and that was like the first one they sent so okay cool and I had I had number two, but number two got. Um, that's a long story. I won't go into it. But number two, number two doesn't exist anymore. So okay. number one, it involves a wood was, chipper. <laughs> number one is the one that I have now. That he, he, uh, you know, he played that one for a long time, and now I played it for, for quite a few years. So okay, and it's just stock, like straight up Dickie Betts, Les Paul. That's what yeah, it is. I haven't done anything to it. Yeah, I mean, it okay. sounds really good. I mean, sometimes I want to change the pickups and experiment, but I'm like, I kind of get. Uh, hey, it's working, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, he he played it like that, and if it was good enough for him, it's probably good enough for me. So. Yeah, amps. You're you're kind of a super guy, right? Super reverbs all the way. Yeah, I mean, I've. I yeah, I, I love the I love I love a a a be- like just a great sounding vintage you know blackface super reverb i just don't know what i would like better than that i mean it's kind of like developed into a thing where i just kind of that's what we go for but on the record i used um um a deluxe reverb oh okay you know? yeah i mean it's really um one of Derek's. it's i mean it's he's probably got a few amps kicking around down there yeah it's a, <laughs> just a great sounding little amp so yeah. um I, uh, is that an adjustment period though? Cause those four tens in a super is like, that's a real thing. And you're probably used to that, right? Yeah. But, um, not, not really. I mean, if I was playing with a band on a stage rather than in the studio, it would be an adjustment, but okay. I mean, I play through it. I play through if I can, if I'm playing a small room and they have backline there and there's a deluxe there, I'll play through a deluxe. I just played, um, the other night we were at a place that was also a studio and they had a ton of amps and both Johnny and I, downgraded to uh, <laughs> he played through a deluxe and he played through <laughs> he played through a deluxe and then you put it up on a case a little bit to get it off the ground and yeah. I played through uh, a Vibra Lux oh those are cool so, yeah just to, to bring down the power I mean we're, those supers that we have I mean they're real supers and they're loud 
Yeah. And they sound great, but it's just not needed for a room that small if you have another choice, you know. So you take the old ones out with you or do you use reissues or what do you use on the road? Oh no, old ones. No, old I ones. wouldn't I wouldn't play it. I would never play a reissue. I mean, I I, I I play, re- let me re, I play reissues all the time because you have to, yeah. but I would never have an old one that works <laughs> and yeah. choose a reissue over it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's a, it's a big difference. The supers to me are weird. The reissues of the supers are weird. The reissues of the Princetons I really like, but the supers, they, it seems like they missed the mark or something to me. I mean, they're, they're, they're fine. I mean, it's what I, it's what. I choose. I mean, I don't pick something else. Yeah. Um, they're a little inconsistent. I mean, I'd rather have a reissue than an old one that's not serviced. That's right. when you get trouble. Big trouble. It, when you request a vintage super and then they get it from someone who's had it sitting around and it's like the speakers are like sound like they're dead or the or, or something else is vast is is drastically wrong with it yeah. you know i mean i'll take a, a reissue any day over that but if you have you know if you have a proper properly serviced 65 you know blackface yeah. soup come on you know that's like you know that's that's not all messed with and made you know made into another amp yeah. um you know i mean that people people do different things to them but but yeah i'm pretty happy with that and uh I I mean I you know for this record I want to just keep it natural. I mean I've been kind of playing very natural, you know. Yeah, you don't not, you don't have a lot of effects or anything going on on the no, on this record. It's no. just it's pretty I straight up. I feel like I should bring something into the fold just to like switch it up. <laughs> and I probably will at some point, but I don't I don't want to do it just because. Yeah. You know, just because I feel like I have to because I don't have to. That cold dark world song with Marcus king it sounds like so you do the intro he comes in you sing the tune there's a fuzz solo is that you on with like are you fuzzed out on that one yeah i'm the first one yeah i'm using the fuzz i okay. I, I i overdubbed the the solo because the way i had the the way i had the pedal set for um for the track for the live for the live track i had it turned way low to get that kind of that intro sound yeah, the intro sound and the way it sounds. All right. So I couldn't, I couldn't get the sound I wanted for the solo. If, if I, well, I did cut the solo live, and I, and I said I need a different sound. <laughs> yeah. So I went back and recut the solo. Okay. Um, and then Marcus did his stuff at his studio, and he played through it. Um, and Johnny's on it too. So there's actually three guitar players on that. Johnny obviously right. does the slide at the end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of guitars on that record, but or on that <laughs> on that song, but it's it's cool. Yes, it is. Yeah, and the and the one with Derek Trucks, the last one. Uh, what the hell is that called? Uh, stare, stare at the sun. Stare at the sun. I assume that since you did it at his place, he was probably there for the live tracking of that, or did that not go down like that? He he was there for. We actually did that in the second session i think and he was out of town for that okay and plus he wanted to really spend time with it and have the vocal on the on the record yeah um so it just made sense for him to kind of wait until it was done and and really sounding like his his part was the last the last thing 
Yeah. So he, yeah, and he spent he spent a lot of time on it. Apparently, I wasn't there, but oh, really? But um, yeah. I mean, he doesn't go in and just do okay. Well, that's good enough. I'm Derek Trucks. You know, I mean, he really takes a lot of pride in. If if he says he wants to do something, he wants to do it to the best of his ability, and you know that's not that's not a, not always the case. So that's really really cool. But um, yeah, I mean, what he his his solo is is and everything he did on that is just is just like brilliant. It's pretty so, crazy, yeah. It's brilliant. What about your your singing on that record? Did you cut live vocals or did you overdub everything? Like you're you haven't been I, singing that long, I guess. Really, so like, is that something that you're comfortable with, or are you still? Learning? I'm getting more. I'm probably a lot more comfortable with it now than I mm-hmm. was during making the record. Yeah, and I was more. You know, um, you kind of learn that, like, you know, when you're going in there to cut the vocal and you get in the booth and it's like, okay, here we go. I got to do it. Like, it's kind of like you know, it's not that big of a deal. Just be cool. Like you don't have to push. So you don't have to do as much as you think to make it sound good, you know? So, um, the, no, I sang live, but I, I mean, I went back and spent some time on the vocals. I wanted to get the vocals to where they were. Um, I mean, there's some stuff that I definitely may have used some live, some live lines, but I mean, we went back in and, and did, did some takes on on everything to get it right. It sounds great. Like it sounds really yeah. confident and yeah. Well, that's good. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, I got there's something new to learn every day about. No doubt. Not only singing, guitar playing too, songwriting. I mean, there's just there's just such so much to be learned, and you know, I just try to be thankful that I'm halfway decent at any of it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because I don't know what I would do if I wasn't. But what about the one with Nikki Bloom? She lives down the street here. Uh, oh yeah, Nikki's fantastic. Um, was, was that like a co-write with her, or did you just bring her in because you thought no, she'd be great? That to... was a, that was a tune that Johnny had, and he had worked on it with. He had brought an idea into Stall, and then they brought it to me, and then we we finished it all together, um, and we all felt like it needed. Um, we kind of wanted a Graham Parsons, um, Emily Harris yeah. thing on it. And, and I had a couple people that I was thinking of and I was, a, I, honestly, I don't even know if I had met her when I asked her to do it. I don't oh, know yeah. if I had met, met her yet, but I was just about to do a show with her and she was, and I think I asked her when she was at the show and she was like, yeah, send it to me. And, um, and so, yeah, she just, um, added her magic to it and it really really helped out a lot she's great yeah. yeah the record's out what's the touring world like for you right now are you guys going full tilt or are you taking it easy or what's your um, we just finished um, we just finished our our summer tour we had we were out for a lot of July and then we just did a couple weeks in August and um, and then we hit the road supporting the record in October. Um, so yeah, we're really excited about that. We're doing a lot of shows with, um, our friends Cordova's who they're oh, yeah. a really, really great band. Um, do you play their festival in, in, uh, is it Mexico where they do that? In Todos. Yeah. I haven't played, I've been down there. I haven't been to the actual festival, Yeah, but I've been to, I've done just 
I've gone down there and hung and done some other gigs with them, you know, because they just play gigs regular, regularly during that time of year there. So, um, but, but yeah, so that was really good. And then we're doing October with them. And, and so that can all be found at, um, at DwayneBetts.com. And, um, yeah, just trying to get the music out to people. I mean, that's really the most important thing is just to, you know, just leave no stone left unturned when it comes to getting the, getting the music out, you know, I mean, you just hope that people, that it finds its way into people's hand, you know, and, and to their, 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 their listening, um, regimen, if you will. And, you know, that they, that they enjoy it. Do you have other projects? Like you've always had so many other projects on the go. It, are any of those, uh, like the, I think the Almond Family Revival, like that whole thing, sort of like that's like a once a year kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, or that's something. an annual. That's an annual thing. So, so yeah. So, so in September, I'm actually doing uh, about two and a half weeks with O'Teal and friends. Okay. So I'm playing in his band with, you know, Melvin Ste- Melvin Seals, uh, Steve Kimmock, Lamar Williams Jr. Oh man, that'll be amazing. Johnny. Amok, Jason Crosby. I mean, that's going to be a really fun time. So we're looking forward to that. So I'm doing. What tunes do you play for that? Like, what kind of? What's the material? Um, a little bit of everything. Some some of O'Teal's stuff. Some of some Almond Brothers stuff. Some Dead stuff. You know, some okay. Jerry Garcia stuff, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then he he's pretty big on letting the people in there. Like I I I've been doing one of mine. Yeah. You know, so we'll do one one or two of mine and. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then in, um, in late November, the Almond Betts family revival, it's, we have both names in it this year as it's kind of a tribute to both of our dads and, you know, started out as a tribute to Greg. Devin started it when, when his father passed away. And, uh, you know, now that we're seven years into it and, you know, we're, you know, we're up there playing a lot of my dad's songs too. And my dad's getting yeah. older. So we, we both felt like it was appropriate to put that name and make it a tribute to him as well for his, yeah, it is appropriate, his body of work. And, and, uh, so that starts in St. Louis on, uh, I want to say November 26th or 27th, like right after Thanksgiving. And that runs about three three weeks. So, so yeah, that's the rest of the year. It's not yeah. it's not done by a long shot. Yeah, man, <laughs> no doubt. Does Dickie ever come out to those shows and like sit in with you guys? Or um, that... not not now. Um, he he sat in with us uh, in two thousand eighteen, I believe, on New Year's Eve. But he hasn't been playing, so yeah, he's more or less just chilling and you know enjoying re- retirement and. Uh, but he might come to the show and sit side stage. You never know. So Does, that's not out, that's not out of the question. But he's essentially like he's packed like he's packed it in. He's not going to be touring anytime or anything. Like no, that. no, yeah. he's not not touring. One last question about the record. What's the first song called? This just I just remembered this. I wanted to ask you about it. Um, Evergreen. Evergreen. So yeah. the the acoustic that you're playing on that it sounds like insanely similar to the Jessica acoustic guitar. That's not the same guitar, is it? Mm-mm. Okay. No. It's just you playing it and it sounds kind of like your dad playing it. Yeah. Just, I mean, just, it also sounds, it's weird that I, it's weird that like a strummed acoustic guitar can be like, Holy shit. That sounds like Dickie Betts, but it really does. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know how to 
I know how to get it rolling, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, that's just kind of one of those, a key of a roller. I mean, there's other songs that have, I mean, that have, I know, that. but if I, I mean, but if I like learned it note for note, it, it wouldn't sound like that, but it, when you play it, it yeah, sounds yeah, like no, it. you gotta play it. Well, that, that guitar is a really great sounding guitar, but that's oh, yeah. not the one used on Jessica. Okay. That song also kind of has a New York, New York, you know, Ryan Adams, New York, New York. Yeah. Thing. But, um, it's just those first few bars where I'm just like, oh my God, that sounds like the same guitar. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it was fun playing that track because it was, it, it's at a fast tempo and you got to like, you got to really dig in and get it going, you know? And it's, yeah. I, I was really proud of, of some of my acoustic guitar strumming on the, on the record. <laughs> it's kind of like really, you know, I was like, man, I killed that. I was really feeling myself after, after this. It's very satisfying, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I've I've kept you long enough, and I know you got to run. But thanks for for doing this. Are you uh, are you guys going to be playing Nashville with any of your projects? And then yeah, coming? we're playing. Um, yes, in in October we will be at the uh, Basement East, I believe. Us oh, in Cordovas. Yeah, that's like Dwayne uh, Betts and Dwayne like... Betts and Palmetto Motel, which is what I call my mm-hmm. my live outfit. Yep. And Cordovas. Yeah, we'll be playing. I don't have the date right in front of me, but I'll find it. it. That's like be. five blocks down the street. And then the Almond Betts family revival will be at the Ryman. Oh, wicked. Well, and, I, and then we're playing Nash on the same tour. The Almond Betts family revival will be in uh, Nashville, Indiana too. both Nashville. But that's, that's not close. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'm going to come to the basement East show. That's just down the street. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Spread the word. Um, yeah, we want to pack it. So, Come on out and bring your friends. I will do that. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for spending the time today, and um, we'll see you around. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. All right, man. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening, everybody. Music Makers and Soul Shakers podcast is produced at the Hen House Studio in East Nashville, Tennessee. Please remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You can find more info on this episode, including show notes and an audio playlist for Spotify and Apple Music at makersandshakerspodcast.com. Thank you again to our sponsors this season, Union Tube and Transistor, Spectra 1964, The Deering Banjo Company, Mule Resonator Guitars, and The Hen House Hang. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another chilling episode of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. Over and out.